Hey there, it's Cheryl Klein here, and I today is a special day. We are going to spend a little time with Camille Ali Jackson. I am so excited and so grateful. Thank you for being here, Camille. Thank you, Cheryl. I appreciate you inviting me to participate. Yeah, and you know what? I always ask when I have amazing women on like you, I always ask, you know, in your formative years, you know, I still consider you young, so don't take this the wrong way, but when you're younger, younger self, you know, maybe between the age of six and 12 or when you were younger, did anything happen to you either good or bad that either propelled you to greatness? Because I know you are a Princeton grad, um and a harvard grad i believe too like did, did something happen when you were a young person that either knocked you back a little bit and then you succeeded despite it or did something happen that just really inspired you can you share a little bit about your formative years sure well i know people always say that it's their parents that inspired them but but i do have to say it was not necessarily my parents that inspired me. It was it was the condition of one of my parents. My mother was a manic depressant and she had five children. And so she was always up, she was never down. Um, but as a result of that, um, after 28 years of marriage, she was divorced. My father ended up marrying a woman that was the same age as his oldest daughter. And so I was left in Virginia and all of my other sisters were still in college and my other sister went to live with my father. As a result of that, my mother was committed to a mental institution. And so she was in this mental institution. And when she got out of the institution, she went into a halfway house. But she would write letters to my high school principal. And she would tell the principal that I was coming to our house and stealing things from her. And so the principal called me into his office one day and he said, look, I understand your mother is mentally ill. This is really embarrassing. But, you know, you can't go um, outside of the school grounds for study hall. You have to stay on campus. And from that experience, I learned never be embarrassed about anything. OK, especially something that you have no control over. So don't be embarrassed about who you are, where you come from, who your family members are, because I couldn't control the fact that my mother was mentally ill. And so I learned from that, that fear nothing and fear no one. No one is going to be able to do anything to you that's going to make you feel bad when you can get through that kind of experience when you're 17 years old, okay? And so that has um, worked to my benefit throughout my career. Um, because I just I fear nothing and I fear no one as a result of having to deal with a mentally ill mother. Yeah, that I can relate to that. My mom had bipolar disorder. Um, and so it's really challenging, especially maneuvering through that. And I really love that fear, nothing, fear, no one. So thanks for sharing that detail. It's not always easy, you know, to share those things. And I'm sure there are a lot of other people out there, listeners that um, that's not something that we share in the workplace typically too. And, uh, um, and so, but it's important to understand that other people have gone through it and they've, you know, arrived on the other side of it as you have. And so, and so can you let us know a little bit about, you know, when I was doing my research um, on you, you've achieved so many amazing things, not just 
you know, your education, but the level of impact that you've had. Can you share a little bit why you were inspired to get into your profession and what mindset you've had to have to get where you are? Well, I had two sisters ahead of me who were very accomplished. One of them is also a lawyer. And so, you know, I think a lot of children of the eight of the 60s, you know, we grew up with Perry Mason. You know, everybody wanted to, to be a trial lawyer. And then also because everything that was going on during the civil rights era, you saw that law was a tool for change. OK. And so I'm thinking I'm going to be a litigator. I'm going to be like Perry Mason. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to be representing the disadvantaged. And so I always thought I wanted to be you know, a lawyer. And so I did everything the safe way. I went to an Ivy League school. I went to a big law firm. I went to a global pharmaceutical company. I was always doing everything the safe way. OK. Until I got pushed. And one of the things that I think I wish I had been told when I was a young woman was don't wait to do what you are born to do. Do it before you're pushed to do so. I was pushed out of the law firm because I was ranked lower than any of my peers in the law firm. And I decided, no way. I know what my skill set is. No one's going to define my capabilities. But without that push, I would have stayed in that law firm and tried to reach what they considered to be at that time, you know, the mecca of success of a partner in a law firm. And then I left the law firm and got another job in a global pharmaceutical company. And I would have stayed there forever because I got in the golden ring. No one left this company. You stayed there for 30 years until you got the gold watch. You know, the days of old, they used to talk about, you know, you retired, here's your gold watch. So that's what I thought I was going to be doing. But again, I got pushed again because I had a female supervisor who disagreed with me on a particular issue and basically told me that if she didn't, if I did not follow her instructions, I would get fired. And I didn't follow her instructions. And then I ended up reaching out to someone else and got a job in a much smaller environment. And as a result of leaving these safe places and jumping, I ended up becoming an entrepreneur, something that I would never have ever thought of, um, because to me, entrepreneurship was not safe. Mm -hmm. Wow. So don't wait. I mean, that's really the power of coaching, actually. And you didn't get formally coached, but that's what coaches do is they challenge and push because they see a potential. And, you know, um, I want to honor you for a second for taking something that could be perceived as a negative and really being grateful for it. Um, I used to be, think of it as a negative as well, being told like you're not good enough. Um, but really, you know, a lot of those things can be a blessing, you know, in disguise. So. Well, I'm my, I'm my father's child. I have a Sergeant major father. And uh, if one thing he instilled in his four daughters is a lot of confidence and maybe some people might say also a little bit of delusion, <laughs> but I consider it to be, you know, I'm, I'm an optimist. I, I know what my worth is. Um, I think uh, Jamie Dimon said this. He said, if you're fired, that's a, a blow to your net worth, but it has nothing. It says nothing about your self-worth. And so my father always taught all of us that, that how you define yourself is what matters. So I've always kept that with me. And that has also been a mindset or a, a mantra 
that I keep in the back of my head, no matter where I am, no matter where I'm working, no matter who I'm working for, no matter what companies I'm creating, no matter who's working for me, is that I define me and I define, you know, my capabilities and what I'm able you know, to do in life. And I really uh, want to stop you for a second because that's so important. And if you can imagine if every young person coming in, you know, had that mindset, not just young person, but all the way, um, you know, into middle management, all the way up in the C-suite, because what I'm hearing after coaching a lot of uh, some very senior level women here in San Francisco, Silicon Valley and worldwide, you know, women are starting to have more of a seat at the table, but they're not necessarily having their voice at the table. And I, I'm not necessarily just referring to board seats, but just a seat in the room. Maybe it's a virtual room now or what have you. So um, I think that what you're saying is incredibly important and having developing the skills to have that to have that mindset so you can be heard is incredibly important. So looking forward, I mean, in light of all of the recent events, you know, we talked about this a little bit before we hopped on this call, but what do you want to see for change? I mean, you clearly have an amazing education background experience in um, as a lawyer and from a legal perspective, but also from a perspective of being a mother who has younger people coming along after you. How do you want to see things differently now that um, now that in, we've had some change, we've had some unfortunate things happen, but is there a silver lining and what can we do as individuals and companies to push forward so we don't flop right back into where we were before all of this? Well, sure. One of the things I think we have to try to instill and teach our young women uh, as well as our young men is that this, you have to stop being so focused on yourself. We're very focused on our own personal success. And I think we need to explain and emulate and reflect the fact that if one of us in this society is not succeeding, none of us is succeeding. You know, Audrey Hepburn, I love Audrey Hepburn, and she says, you've got two hands, one to help yourself and one to help somebody else. Someone else I know, her father gave me this, this life lesson. He said, always keep your hand out because if you keep your hand out, Favors will flow out and you will help other people, but good things will flow back to you. If you keep your hand clenched, you won't give any favors, you won't help anybody else, but nothing's going to flow back. So I think the younger generation needs to understand the focus needs to get off of you and your personal success and trying to become the next Mark Zuckerberg or the next, I don't know, you know, Reddit founder. Um, or the next billionaire at 30 years of age, you really need to tell yourself the reason why define success differently. Success should be defined as what can I do to help others, not only just myself. Because I honestly believe in karma. And I believe I'm not doing this just because I'm being altruistic. I'm doing this because I believe good things come back to you. So if you're doing good things for other people, you're trying to empower other people and not just yourself, I think it actually ends up benefiting you. So women in America who are taking these seats at the table, whether it's in the boardroom, whether it's in the C-suite, whether it's in the nonprofit organization, um, I'm asking you, please 
Don't only focus on empowering yourself. Don't get so wrapped up in your own diva dumb, you know, that you're so excited about the fact that, oh my goodness, I've made it. I'm special. No, it's not about you. It needs to be about all of us because it's very lonely to be the only. I'm a black female in an all white male C-suite. It's very lonely to be the only. It's not special. It's not fun. And so I want everything that's coming out of all of this energy as a result of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Aubrey and all of the tears and the tear gassing and the, you know, the, 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 the protesting in the street is, please, let's not go back to the way it was. Let's go. Let's let's create something new and different. Let's not have it look like the way it looked before. I don't want you to take a seat at the table at corporate America. I want you to go into the doors of corporate America and I want you to learn something new. I want you to meet new people. I want you to create and develop allies. And then I want you to take that information and those resources and the expertise and the knowledge. And I want you to turn around and go out and start something new. Go to Entrepreneur America. Get the money from the VCs to create something new. Create jobs not only for yourself, but for other people. That's what I hope will come out of this moment and this energy. Yeah, and thanks so much. So, um, and also too, so that's for individuals. And what about for companies? Um, what do you think, let's just, and I know there's probably more than one thing, but let's stay focused on one thing or one idea when we're talking about companies. For anyone watching this who is part who is part of corporate America, what do you think is one thing that can really help shift things for the better going forward? Sure, we're back. Yeah, we're back. Yeah. Um, did you hear the question? Yes. Stop wearing the mask. Stop wearing the mask. Stop wearing the mask. Black people understand this. It's a poem by Paul Lawrence Dunbar. It's called We Wear the Mask. We have to wear the mask. That's the way we're able to make it in America. When I'm asking corporate America, okay, because this is a choice, you don't have to wear the mask. Stop wearing the mask. Stop being politically correct. Please speak the truth. Please recognize, become self-aware, realize you do not have any of us in the room. Therefore, you do not understand what we're feeling. You cannot empathize. You can only sympathize. You need people who can empathize, okay? Barack Obama said that's one of the things he was looking for when he was picking a Supreme Court justice, a leader with empathy. So in order to empathize, you have to have had those experiences, okay? So you need to bring us into the room. You need to actually listen when we are talking. Okay. And then you actually need to speak truthfully. You need to tell people, guess what, guys? We don't know. We, we've never been down this pathway before. We are afraid. We like having it all. Everybody likes having it all. When you're a little kid, you like having all the candy to yourself, right? But guess what? It's time to share. And America has enough to share. So we're not saying you got to give it all to us. We're saying, please be willing to share. Please be willing to teach us. 
We are willing to learn. We're willing to share with everybody. If you just give us a chance. And from a bigger perspective, what's the first step? Like what's one, one thing that can make things different starting tomorrow or starting, you know, after someone watches this because it, it feels like a big and still pervasive problem. And I so I don't have the magic bullet. I, I don't have the magic bullet. Okay. But for companies, I think the first thing they can do is truly, totally, they need to bring in someone who doesn't look like the person that is sitting in the C-suite and listen to what they have to say in terms of trying to change their group think, their mindset, their culture. For the individual, I think you need to go on the internet, find as many resources as possible, support black businesses, support the bail funds, support other than just black celebrities and our black entertainment folks, support black businesses. They create jobs, they create wealth for our communities, okay? So an individual white person sitting at home could go on the internet and find a black business to buy a product from, okay? Or black nonprofit organization to donate funds to, okay? Or black organization to donate their services to. We have law firms right now that are donating legal services for free to black owned businesses because they know they usually don't get this kind of high quality legal services because they can't afford it. So there, there are lots of things you can do. I don't have the magic answer, um, but I, I also wanna say, can you please read this book that was written by Josephia Bonilla. It's called Roar If You Have To, and it's 10 tales from 10 inspirational women. And so they tell you what they did in order to try to change not only their lives, but other people's lives as well. Yeah, and can you hold that in front? Hold it up, there you go. There you go. Roar if you have to. So yeah, there you have it, a couple, uh, more than a couple ideas of things that we as individuals and companies to do uh, can do to have real change um, at a time when honestly it's never been needed more. And, um, you know, we were talking about, you know, before we came on live, how you are optimistic about things being different. And I think we all can be if we all um, agree to do the work. And so is there anything that you want to leave everyone with a call to action, so to speak, or a challenge or an invitation, or what do you want to leave the list, the listeners with? To the women leaders, um, I'd like to say there's a book by Sonia Sanchez. It's a book of poetry called Does Your House Have Lions? I interpret that to mean that you should not talk about other people if, if your house is not clean. But more importantly, in the workspace of your lives, please don't do harm to other women who are trying their best to balance their personal lives and their professional lives. Try to support them any way you can. To young black women and other women of color, please don't settle for taking a seat at the corporate table. Go in, learn, soak up the expertise, take that knowledge 
and then go out there and get your own money, create your own organizations, become a part of entrepreneur America. And for the young people of the world, please focus on helping others as well as yourselves. Only good comes of doing that. Yeah, and thank no you bad. so much. I think that is a good invitation for all of us to focus on doing good for others and not just ourselves. Thank you for all of your amazing messages and inspiration and the impact that you have. You're really paving the way for change and um, an inspiration to so many. Camille Jackson, Camille Ali Jackson, thank you so much for your time and um, sharing your wisdom today. Cheryl, thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Okay, I look forward to keeping track of you and continuing the conversation. All right, thanks. Stay safe and healthy, please. Thanks, you too.